Good morning. Uh, before we jump into our message today, I want to re- also just kind of uh, remind you of something really special that's going on on Thursday. Um, one of the real neat parts of our Christmas ministry and our Christmas outreach season is we throw a free turkey dinner uh, for folks in Old North End and Crescent Valley, and so that's going to take place on Thursday. We've got two sittings, and um, we'll have, we've got 150 people signed up, but it's full, and uh, we have a tremendous, tremendous community of volunteers who are going to show up and peel all kinds of potatoes and get all kinds of food ready for for many, many hours and then do endless hours of dishes afterwards. And so we just want to say thank you to all those. But also, um, if you would think, oh, I'd like to volunteer for something like that, please speak to myself or Pastor John at the end of the service and we'd be happy to uh, to let you know how you can be involved. But we're looking forward to just having a great opportunity to have lunch with our neighbors uh, this coming Thursday. Um, Back in May... Uh, I had the privilege of flying for the first time in almost three years. I was going to Toronto for meetings and also to visit with my son. And um, when I sat on the plane here at the St. John Airport, I was just kind of struck by uh, how great it is to fly again. But more importantly, just kind of how amazing it is that we can fly. I mean, just think about the absolute wonder of being able to fly. Uh, You get into this round metal tube. Two explosions go off on either side of you and launch it into the air. It travels at almost 1,000 kilometers an hour at 30,000 feet. And then, as a friend of mine who's a pilot says, you enter the landing phase, or as he calls it, the controlled fall. And you fall from 30,000 feet ever so slowly at just the right speed and at just the right angle onto a very narrow stretch of pavement. And you get off the plane and have traveled 1,400 kilometers in less than two hours. I mean, it's absolutely incredible to think that we can do this. And um, so oftentimes, if you've traveled a lot, the wonder of it is lost on us because it's familiar. In fact, probably the most exciting thing about air travel is if you get a little bag of pretzels that you weren't expecting. And that somehow seems more exciting than the physics, the engineering, and the skill required for you and I to be able to make that kind of a trek. There's something about familiarity that robs us of wonder. We're entering into the Advent season, and Advent is the season where we remember that God has drawn near to us. That God, first when he created us, kind of drew near to us. He created us in his image. We were created to have and have a relationship with him. We chose to rebel against that, to do our own thing, to sin, thus creating a gap between us and our creator. And then throughout time, God was trying to draw us back to himself through teachings, through the law, through the prophets, through circumstances and events. God was trying to draw us back to him. And then in this most spectacular move, God sends his son to close the gap, to draw near to us once and for all. And that is the season that we're in right now, this season of Christmas, this season of Advent. And in Advent, we have these themes of hope and joy and peace and love. And if you've grown up in church, you're familiar with these. In fact, you're probably already thinking, I know what he's going to talk about. I know what story he's going to read. I know what his points are going to be, right? You could probably get up here and do a better job kind of sharing it with all of us today. The wonder of this season, because because we're familiar with it. But there can be something about becoming so familiar with this season that we miss out on the wonder. 
Uh, one of my favorite authors from years ago was a guy by the name of Mark, Mike Yacanel, and he writes this, the greatest threat to Christianity may be people who say they believe in Jesus, but are no longer astonished and amazed at what he's done. Think about the significance of God drawing near to us. And has the significance, has the amazement of that worn off to us? Uh, because it means that that is available to you and I right now, today. Now, maybe, maybe you're good. Maybe you have way more joy than you need. You're kind of overflowing with hope and you've got way more unconditional love and you feel almost guilty about it. Or maybe you've got so much peace in your life that your boss is sending you for a drug test because you're just so peaceful. Um, but maybe you've just got too much of that. But maybe not. Maybe you're like me, and despite the familiarity with the Christmas season, uh, sometimes when you're kind of trying to go to sleep at night, you could, you could use some peace. Maybe if you're honest, you could use some joy. And maybe as we'll talk about in a few minutes here, there's moments that you really aren't sure whether God really does love you. Well, these are the things we're going to be talking about as we move through the Advent season, hoping that the wonder and the spectacularness and the amazingness of God drawing near to us would not be lost on us. I'm going to read for us today Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26 to 38. If you're using the Bible in the seat in front of you, it's on page 1588, or you can follow along electronically as well. Let me read for you what for many of you will be a familiar story. Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. And they had to say that because nobody knew where Nazareth was. It was a small backwoods town. To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who were highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus, or the one who saves. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, Mary would have understood this concept. She'd grow up hearing about the whole concept of the Messiah that would come. But the, Mary, the angel is saying it's going to involve her. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her own age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive in her six, is in her sixth month. For the word from God will never fail. I am the Lord's servant, she answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Well, we're going to talk today about hope. And as I think about if there's a verse that I would underline in those verses that we read, it would be in verse 37, for no word from God will ever fail. Now, if we're going to have a conversation today about hope, we need to have a conversation about disappointment. You cannot talk about hope 
without also talking about disappointment. And if we were to do a deep dive on the political and cultural realities going on in the passage that we've just read together today, you would discover that the Jewish people in this time were living with great disappointment. They were God's chosen people. They were his holy ones. They were to be the messenger and the vehicle by which God would bring his blessing into the world. But their life looked anything but that. They were under the thumb of the Roman superpower. And life was taxing. It was difficult. And they were miserable. There was no joy. And they were living with a great sense of national and kind of religious disappointment. And maybe you can relate to living with a little bit of disappointment. Maybe in this season, you've got some feelings that you're disappointed about. Maybe you're wishing that COVID would have been over by now. Maybe you were hoping that you'd be in better health in this stage of the year. Maybe difficult family relationships have just made this season that you're anticipating really challenging. Maybe there's unfairness and injustice in the world that you're a part of. And you just wish it would have been over by now. Why is it that we're still having these conversations? Maybe you were hoping that your children would have grown up to follow Christ. Maybe you would hope that you'd fit in better to the city or even into the church. One sociologist said that the the, the main emotion of North America is disappointment. It's disappointment and letdown, particularly because we live in a consumer culture that wants you feeling disappointed because then you'll buy something, you'll do something, you'll go on a trip, you're going to exercise your money and try to stop this feeling of disappointment only then, and they know this, it won't fix it. So you'll have to do it again and again. It's kind of the culture of our age. It's called the gospel of upward mobility. The gospel of upward mobility says this, the longer you're alive, the wealthier you get, and the easier and better life will be. This is the message of our culture, right? The longer you're alive, the more money you will make, and the easier life will or should be, which would mean in Canada today, we should just be overwhelming with gratitude, thankfulness, and just joy, Would anybody testify today that maybe the the gospel of upward mobility is not true? Or that it cannot deliver what it promises? Making us ready to talk about hope. What is hope? What is Christian hope? How is it different than kind of the way hope gets used in our world today? We talk a lot about hope. We hope it's going to be as sunny out there as they promised. And is it? Is it really nice out Okay. Uh, We hope that, uh, you know, the stock market will open up and explode tomorrow. We hope that Canada will beat Croatia today at 12 o'clock, not sooner, so put your phones away. But this is optimism. It's not hope. It's not based on any promise or any truth. It's based on speculation. Christian hope is based on promises that you can count on. I stole this definition. Let me just share it with you. Hope is the expectation of coming good coming good based on the promises of God. In fact, let's read that together as a congregation to try to get it into our minds. Hope is the expectation of coming good based on the promises of God. You need to affix your hope to something. Your hope needs a residence. We put our hope in something. Maybe it's your wealth, maybe it's your health, maybe it's your good looks, but you need to put it in something. And for Christians, it's in the coming thing that God is going to do. 
that he has made a promise and he's fulfilled his promises in the past. And so if he's made a promise for us now, we can count on it today. That the world is not like being on a plane that has no pilot and we just hope we have a safe landing. That circumstances, no matter how difficult they might be, we can still trust God to be faithful for he has promised to us. No word of God ever fails. And so today I want to talk about three aspects of hope that you and I can have today. The first is this, that Jesus is going to return and make all things new. Jesus is going to return and make all things new. Today we are talking about Advent when Christ came to us in the form of a child, but he's going to come again. It'll be very different that time, but he's going to come again, and when he comes again, he made the promise that he is going to make all things new. As you watch the news and as you visit with your friends, doesn't your heart ache for that? When you think about there being a day when there's no tears, no death, no brokenness, no mourning, when we think about the words of Jesus that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, when we think about the words of Isaiah who said, gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee no more that our main emotion would no longer be disappointment. It would be gladness and joy. Don't you long for that day in your own heart and in your own life? Do you know people this Christmas that are going to have an empty seat around the table? Maybe through loss, maybe through conflict, maybe through divorce, maybe through just complicated circumstances. Do you know people who this Christmas it's just going to be a little tighter? Inflation and cutback hours and difficult financial circumstances are going to make this Christmas extra stressful over last year. Do you know people who this Christmas are dealing with depression? And just burdens that you and I can't imagine. Don't you long for the day when Christ comes and makes all things new? Now you may think, well, what's the hope for us today. If that's coming, it's not yet today. Well, I think our friends at Seinfeld can maybe help us out a little bit. There's an old episode of Seinfeld where the cast is arguing whether or not a certain day of the week has a feeling. And they talk about Monday. Monday has a feeling. Tomorrow morning when you wake up and know you have to go to work and your work week has just begun, there's a certain feeling associated with that, isn't there? And it's not always a good one. If it makes you feel any better, this is my Monday. But they said, then they go out, there's a Tuesday and Wednesday, do they have a feeling? But then they agree that Friday is the day. Friday has a feeling and it's a great feeling. For those that work Monday to Friday and have Saturday and Sunday off, Friday is the great day of the week, which really makes no sense because by Friday, you should be the tiredest. You've just worked all week long. On Friday, you've got a to-do list that you have to get done before the weekend, and I don't know what your to-do list looks like on the last day of the week, but mine is usually way too long to get done in a specific day. So why is Friday so great? Half your staff have left and are watching World Cup at home, called in sick, and you're kind of there manning the fort. Why is Friday so great? Because it's next door to Saturday, and Saturday is the day that you turn off the alarm it's the day you sleep in. It's the day you do what you want. It's the day that you don't have any meetings or anybody else's agenda. You can just kind of have your day. That's what Saturday is, and that's why it's so great. And Friday is great because the hope of Saturday leaks into 
Friday. Because you're in Friday, but you know that Saturday is coming. So for you and I today, it's like Friday. We're not there yet. The promises that God has made to us, we've not experienced or realized them all. But we know they're coming. And that hope leaks into today. The promise of no more tears and no more sickness, which will be great when it happens, it leaks into today. The promise of the end of suffering and brokenness is great, and it'll be great when it happens. But we start to feel the joy of it today. This is the cornerstone of our hope. That God is going to come and make all things new. Now, in this season of to-do lists and Christmas parties and shopping and uh, figuring out travel plans and all the things that are, are part of our Christmas season, Advent is a time to lift up our eyes and to look over the horizon and remember just as Christ came the first time, he's going to come again and he's going to make all things new. And as we remember that, we recalibrate our hope in him. Number two, Jesus is with us now. And I would add to that, even in your disappointment, Jesus is with us now, even in your disappointment. When I think about how familiarity sometimes means the wonder of a season wanes, I think there's no greater example of that than when we think about the power of God being with us today. But the God who created the universe, if you saw the moon last night, if you saw the stars in the sky, the God who created all of that is with you today. And he's not there kind of passively on his phone standing next to you. He's engaged. He cares about you. And he gives us access through the Holy Spirit to everything that we need for life and for godliness. And listen to me. He's not just there when you're good. He's not just there when you do what you're supposed to do. He's not just there when all is going well. He's there when we're sick. He's there when we lose our job, when the divorce happens, when the mess that we make becomes public. He is there for all of it. We read the Christmas story. We say, yay, God was there with Mary. Yay, God was there with the shepherds. He was even there with the, those pagan wise men. Yay. He's here for you and I as well. That no matter what, God is Emmanuel. God is with us. Our faith doesn't promise that when we come to Jesus, we won't experience darkness. Not at all. It promises that though we experience darkness, Jesus still draws near to us. And I think if I asked you if you believe that today, most of you would raise your hands. But I've been in pastoral ministry for a long time now, and here's what I know when I'm sitting across the table from someone for whom life has happened, and it's a mess, and it's broken, and it's complicated, and they have no idea how it ends. Many times, they, in that moment, they do not believe that God is with them. There is a nagging doubt or sense that because of what I've done, because of what's happened to me, he's walked away. He's distanced himself from me. And so Advent reminds us, God is with us, in spite of us, in spite of our circumstances, and he will remain with us. Now, I'm going to do something a little risky today, and you can choose not to participate, that's fine. I won't mention you by name on the live stream here. I'm going to, I want us to practice this, because this is really, really important. 
So what I'm going to do, I'm going to lead you through a little quick exercise that'll take like a minute. Um, but it's going to require you closing your eyes. I promise I won't make you raise your hand or do anything or say anything. You just have to sit there with your eyes closed. So I'm going to invite you at this time, if you wouldn't mind, and those of you online can uh, participate as well. If you're driving and listening to this on podcast, please don't. Um, but I just want you to just to stop for a second and close your eyes. Take a big breath in and just kind of let it out. I want you to think of this word, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, who was with God at creation, I want you to picture him sitting right beside you in this moment. The Jesus who healed Bartimaeus, who sat with the woman at the well, who argued with the Pharisees and who pardoned the woman caught in adultery, who was crucified, dead, and rose to new life, is right beside you in this moment. And I want you to hear him saying to you these words, I will never leave you or desert you. I will be with you to the ends of your days, no matter what those days are like. And there's nothing you face today, no emotion you will feel that I am not with you. And in this moment, I make a lifelong commitment to stick by your side, unchanging, no matter what you do. Amen. Emmanuel, God with us. When we wake up tomorrow morning, we can do that same exercise and just practice the presence of God with us. Before you go into a meeting, before you go into an important doctor's appointment, you can have that moment where you just remember, God is with me. And that any nagging doubt you have that he's not will be gone. Number three, our hope is a witness to our neighbors. The hope that we hold in Christ becomes a witness to our neighbors. And let me just be really clear about this. Not because you're a great Christian and your life is all together. Not at all. That's never been the promise. That's never been what Christ has looked to. He knows we're broken people. The hope is we hold on to him and people see our hope and it radiates even through the cracks in our lives. My friends, your friends, your co-workers and neighbors, they're looking for something to affix their hope to something that they can count on. Let's show them Christ. And as we do, let's remember, it's not us that we want them to see, it's Christ living in us. Listen to these words of Paul. We now have this light shining in our hearts. Isn't that wonderful? But we ourselves are like fragile clays containing this great treasure. When they look at our lives, we want them to see the light of Christ, this thing that we treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. Then when we rightly affix our hope in Christ, we get to tell the story that there is a new world coming that's already begun and that it works and that it offers healing and forgiveness, new starts and fresh energy. And as we reveal this hope, as we worship the God in whose image we are made, as we follow the Lord daily who bore our sins and rose from the dead, as we're empowered by the Holy Spirit and give a new life and passion to see God's will done on earth as it is in heaven. This is our hope, that people will see the hope that we cling to. I love this quote from Eugene Peterson, and I know I don't quote Eugene Peterson enough, so let me just fix that, but with one more today. He writes this, 
Every day I put hope on the line. I love that. He's leaning into this. He's going to try out his hope. He's going to live hopefully. Every day I put hope on the line. I don't know one thing about the future. I don't know what the next hour will hold. There might be sickness, personal or world catastrophe. Before the day is over, I may have to deal with death, pain, loss, rejection. I don't know what the future holds for me, for those whom I love, for my nation, or for this world. And I love this. Despite my ignorance and surrounded by tiny optimists and cowardly pessimists, I say that God will accomplish his will and cheerfully persist in living in the hope that nothing separates me from Christ's love. That is what hope looks like. To have this confidence that God is going to accomplish His will. And that nothing that happens to us or nothing that this week will hold will separate us from His love. These last two years have been cold, and a little bit antiseptic. They've been a little bit detached. We've been distant from everybody, avoiding making contact with people, no handshaking and hugging and physically distanced in homes. There's been this whole world that we've all gone through. And as we've gone through that, as a pastor who's done weddings and funerals and anniversaries, you could see the wonder of all those moments drain away. The wonder drained away from so many of these important life moments. And in these last few months and whatever reality this is called that we're in right now, there's been a new joy. People are rediscovering how great it is it goes to a wedding, how great it is to welcome a new baby into the world, how great it is to go to anniversary parties, things that people avoided like the plague. They want to go now. There's a new wonder discovered in all of these moments. And it's my hope as we come to Christmas season, a familiar season, that the wonder of Christ with us would break forth in your heart again. That the hope of Christ would make all the difference to you in this season. And you'd see it with brand new eyes. Let me pray. God, we thank you for your promises. We thank you that you are faithful. We thank you for your commitment to us, that we can lean into it, that we can put it on the line with our life. And in this season that oftentimes is familiar and it's easy just to go through the motions, we pray, God, that you'd give us the courage to affix our hope to you in a way that we've never done before that we would lean with the whole weight of our life, whether that includes brokenness and pain or joy, we would lean into you with the full weight of our life and discover you to be good and trustworthy. We pray that in this season, God, you would open our hearts to your goodness and we would see you with new eyes.